Turning your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. This concludes this section on parenting. Then we'll have a few more sermons in Ephesians and we'll be done with this book as we've been spending quite a while in it. Ephesians chapter 6, God's word to fathers in parenting says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is a verse that's alluding to a very popular proverb. So I want us to look at both this morning, and that proverb is Proverbs 22, verse 6. Proverbs 22, verse 6. And it's interesting to me um, what is left out and what is added, uh, because typically we find the New Testament completing and explaining the Old Testament. The Proverbs in the Old Testament, chapter 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. So to train up a child in the way he should go, you go into Ephesians 6, verse 4, and it is train up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So bring up a child, train him up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Of the Lord. So now we're not as curious as you might have been if you only had Proverbs 22. What does it mean the way he should go? Ephesians 6 answers that. It's in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Interesting to me, Paul in Ephesians doesn't include the phrase, when he is old, he won't depart. And it might just be that this phrase. Fathers, do not provoke your child to anger or to wrath. That may be the equivalent and actually give explanation to when he's old, he won't depart as well. He won't, in other words, get angry and take off. Um, so I want us to, to kind of think about what God is, is teaching us here, both through this proverb and um, in Ephesians 6. When people look at the Proverbs, sometimes they're confused and bewildered. So I want us, I want us to think about that. Uh, but regardless, let's just stop here a minute and think. Regardless of how you figure out Proverbs 22, verse 6, what it means, or Ephesians 6, verse 4, all that it means, one thing is obvious. Let's don't miss the big block. Let's don't miss the main thing. And the main thing is parenting matters what you do as a parent is extremely significant train up a child that was the command of old is still the command now train up a child that matters so how do you go about that you've got a kid and sometimes kids get on your nerves i understand been there and so you say, why don't you go watch some TV? Just leave me alone for a little while. And so they go off and they watch a little TV, say maybe 20 hours in a week. And when you feel like oh, they've spent too much time in front of a TV, you then say, do something else. And so 
they pick up their electronic device and they do something else for, say, another 20 hours during the week. And then, of course, you're a good Christian, and so you bring them to church. The average Christian in America now is going to church twice a month, 26 times a year. So as a good average Christian, you bring them to hear a great Bible preacher, you know, just not hold back and go 45 minutes in a sermon. And you do that twice a month. But of course, you let them hold on to that device during the sermon. And then after they grow up, you have guaranteed for them a mansion in heaven. Correct? Let that sink in a minute. Because I've just described a very typical Christian parenting practice. So are we training them up so as to really help them find heaven? See, I want my kids to have a glorious mansion and endless delights in heaven. But I really don't have any guarantee that they're going to get that if my training amounts to letting them watch what they want, do what they want, and I bring them to a couple sermons a month. Are we really training them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord if that is it? Well, we've got some great examples in this church of parents doing much, much more and much better. Um, this church is, is, is being blessed by God to see multiple generations being trained for the Lord. So we've got some great examples to look to and help us with this. But I want, I want to give you what God says on this so that we can help our kids to heaven. We can train them up. What, what does it mean when God says, train up a child in the way he should go when he's old? He won't depart from it. Like that becomes confusing to folks. Some are bewildered because some say, well, I know what it means and I'm doing it and it's working. Other people say, well, I'm doing it and it's not working. My kids not, doesn't look like they're going to heaven because they're literally living like hell. But I'm trying to train them up. And so the proverb seems confusing because to some people it works and some people it doesn't work. So how do we deal with that? So as, I, as I've tried to wrestle with that and give comfort to those of you who say, I, I, I want to know. I want my kids in heaven too. Obviously we do. We love them. We want them there. So as I studied this deeply, I found four interpretations that I didn't think were really giving us a lot of help. And then I'm going to give you the fifth one, which I think is probably more accurate uh, and then we'll go to a, a real strategy for getting our kids into heaven. First of all, when you look at Proverbs 22, verse 6, uh, some people say the emphasis here is on time. If you, if you emphasize time, it makes it, everything makes sense to you. So the time factor in Proverbs 22, 6 is described in this word old, when he is old. So what time is that? 
when he's old. So if you do your training, God is promising you that when they're old, they won't depart. Old may be 18, old may be 28, old may be 98. Old, for some people, means heaven. So God is not saying that you're going to get to, to see the child follow God's ways. He's saying the emphasis is time. When they're old, just trust me on this, they'll be okay. To me, that's not really satisfactory because the implication is the context is the parents are to be getting some comfort out of this, some benefit out of this. Train up a child. You're go- it's, it's, the, it's implied you're going to see the fruit of some of your efforts. So I, I don't like emphasizing time, that the time is maybe something beyond our appearance, something beyond what we can see, um, but that's how some people have found comfort. Other people say, no, the right interpretation here is training, training. If you're not seeing fruit, you're not training correctly. So you need to do it the way I do it, then you'll see fruit. Well, I'm doing it the way, well, probably you're not doing it the way. I really don't know how you're doing it because I can't see behind your closed doors. How are you really doing it? Are you really loving your kids? Are you really spending time with your kids? Are you really doing this, 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 and this? And so there's lots of people out there saying, this is the program. You've got to follow this program, not that program, and you'll succeed. So the emphasis is all on correct program, correct training. You don't get that in this verse, but, you know, um, it, it becomes a blame game. To the parent then, oh, man, I failed my kids because I didn't put them in the right program. Again, not very encouraging, is it? So I'm not fond of, of, of that interpretation either. A third view uh, would be the emphasis is on character traits. Uh, and so people say train up a child in the way he should go. Well, what way is that? Well, that's some people want to interpret that according to his natural way his natural inclinations and if if we just focus on his natural way his natural inclinations in other words we're going to guide him down the path of his giftedness of of his abilities and if you train him in what is his natural abilities and gifts well he's obviously not going to depart from that because he's going to enjoy that and that's led a lot of Christians into the whole idea of apprenticeships and mentoring and, and all those kind of things. We just need to, you know, if he's gifted at being a mechanic, we need to find a mechanic and get him under that mechanic. And we need to keep him in that path and he'll begin to enjoy that. So that's, again, not real satisfactory to me because it takes away the spiritual and moral implications of the proverb. The way he should go all through the book of Proverbs is based on the way of wisdom, the way of spiritual maturity and growth for the Lord. And to just call it this proverb about natural abilities and talents and vocational skills, it takes that spiritual moral dimension almost out of it completely, um, which is not very typical of the book of Proverbs. So I, it's true, but doesn't seem to be to me what's going on here 
a fourth way people say, okay, what we've got here is a proverb. You just said it. Proverbs are different from precepts. We need to focus on proverb. A proverb is more of a general truth. Precepts more of an absolute truth. In other words, general truths have exceptions. So we, we need to generally do what it says here, but we need to realize there are exceptions. And some people are going to do it, and their kids aren't going to turn out too good. That's just the exception. That's the nature or definition of a proverb. And those who take that view will, will give you examples from the same chapter, like verse 4. It says, The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Well, we, we know plenty of people who are humble and worship the Lord. They fear the Lord, but they don't have riches and honor. So you see, it's a proverb, but there's obvious exceptions to that. Or verse 11, it says, He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious, the king is his friend. Again, we know people who are pure in heart. We know people who are gracious, but the president doesn't know them. It doesn't guarantee they are friends with the king. So it's a general statement. There are obvious exceptions. So people take Proverbs 22, 6 the same way. Well, it's, it's true. There are Proverbs are couched in general language. But we, we need to determine the exceptions based on a context more than just a definition of the term because there's plenty of proverbs that have absolutely no exceptions as well and the context will tell you that um for example proverbs 3 5 to 6 you know that proverb trust in the lord with all your heart mind soul and strength you know trust him acknowledge him in all your ways he will direct your paths there's really no exceptions to that he will do that james uh, 1 verse 5 says the same says if you're lacking wisdom you don't really know what to do ask from above he will give you wisdom, and give you direction. You can, you can trust God's word to be true. The context will, will make, bring, bring that to bear. So I don't like just saying, well, sorry, parent, you're the exception. You trained your child, but mm, sorry, you're the exception. Still just doesn't seem to be satisfactory. So what I see is, is a better understanding of this is that it's more in the context of a serious warning. I called it a threat, not to scare you, but because I'm trying to alliterate. You saw the other T's, okay? It's a serious warning to get going. Dad, fathers, don't, don't miss this. Train up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This matters. This is serious. Don't miss it. Get after it. And I think the same thing is true in Proverbs 22. Train up a child in the way we'll go. He, understand, he's, he's departing already from birth. He's going a different direction. This is an urgent matter. Get after it. That's more the context, I think it's, it's couched in. Um, there are, are other examples. Look, in, in chapter 22 of Proverbs, verse 15, 
foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. It's like, get after this. Your child's got foolishness in his heart. You need to realize that. Uh, Go back a a few chapters. Chapter 19, verse 18. Discipline your son while there is hope. So while there's time and do not desire his death. I mean, pretty strong language. You don't want to see him die, do you? Get after this. You've got limited time with your kids. You need to be training them in the instruction, admonition, discipline of the Lord. So I think the, the context is more pushing this, this serious warning. Uh, you'll see it all through life. Uh, everybody who's, who's kept up with salvations, we see it in this church every year. 80% of those of us in this room, no matter where you go in the world, you find this out. 80% of the people you find in a room of saved folks, 80% of you came to know the Lord before you were 18 years old. It's like God's given us this time period. 80% of us come through people training us while there's still time, while there's hope. Uh, God saves adults, yes, but his game plan from the beginning is to save households, is to save our kids, which is why he told Abraham, my covenant is with you and your children. So mark out your children because I want them to be mine just as I want you. And God has been saving children from the beginning of time for this purpose, to build up his, his kingdom. And so here the Proverbs and in Ephesians 6 as well, train up your children. Get on board with God in this plan of reaching your kids before they're soon, not your kids. And they're gone. Um, it's, it's, um, I really think, and I, it's hard to explain, I'm going to run out of time, uh, that in Ephesians 6, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. The real reason they're going to be angry with you is if you, as a Christian parent, have all the blessings of God and you don't train them up, it's like, why didn't you give me this precious treasure in Christ? Why did you neglect me? Why did you not train me and discipline me if you have it all? Why did you let me go off in my foolish ways and miss this glorious gift that you've received in Christ? And that seems to be the implication there, and I think it seems to be the implication in Proverbs as well. We have something great to give our kids, and we need to get after it, and we need to get, give it to them. So, again, big block, parenting matters. What we do as a parent matters. No matter which of those five interpretations you take, they, they scream that you need to be doing something as a parent. Indifference, uh-uh. we, we don't go there. We must train, discipline, admonish, raise up, whatever term you want to use, our children. We want to, as a parent, 
the implication is we get to directly impact their destination. Heaven or hell? Train up a child. I want to help my kids reach heaven. God is saying, I want to use you parents as a tool for that. Salvation is still by grace. But what we do is parents matters. So I want to give you a proven strategy to help your kids find heaven. Number one, got five things. Number one, teach and expect your child to do God's will. How do you train them up? How do you discipline and instruct them? Number one, you must teach them to know and to do God's will, and you let them know at every turn you expect it. Look at Deuteronomy 6. Quickly remind you of this passage. There's no skirting it. I'll just jump right into it. Deuteronomy 6, beginning at verse 6, says, These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. These words were the Ten Commandments, chapter 5. What God said, that there's one Lord, verse 4, that we should love, verse 5. Verse 6, these words, we need to hold them tightly, and what do we do with them? Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them, so you teach them, you talk. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What are we supposed to do as parents? God says, you need to know my word, specifically the Ten Commandments. No child should be raised without knowing at least a short form of the Ten Commandments. God says, you need to know that. You need to hold it dear. You need to have it in your heart. You need to teach it to them. You need to talk it to them. You need to sit it, da- sit down with them about it. You need to rise up with them about it. It needs to be everyday conversation. You are teaching them the way they should go, the will of God, and you expect them to follow this way. They are not on this planet to do their thing. We are not on this planet to do what we want to do. We are here to do what God wants to do. God saved us, gave us his word, revealed his will to us, and says, now this is the way to go. This is what I want you to do. So we must teach our kids out of all the people on the planet, God has chosen us, your parents, to teach you the way to go. And this is the way. Yeah, but I want to, it doesn't matter what you want. We're not here for what we want. We're here for what God wants. And we must constantly be teaching our children, training our children to walk in the ways of God. And God says the way you do that is every single day. You're telling them the way they should walk, the way they should go. It's a way that's consistent with the commands, which is why I say the command has to be a grid. You can answer every question anybody throws at you for wisdom. When you know the Ten Commandments, what should I do? Well, does it honor God first? Does it take his name in vain? The third commandment, second commandment. Does it picture Christ wrongly? Second commandment. Uh, fourth commandment, it, is it something we can do and still remember the Sabbath day? Fifth commandment, does it, you know, it, does it honor the authorities God's given us like our mom and dad? Sixth commandment, does it establish life and not death? Seventh commandment, does it maintain marriage? This unit that God wants to reproduce his church. Uh, you, know, you just go through the commands and you start using it 
as the way we should go. And we need to be teaching that to our kids so our kids know how to choose the right way. Uh, if we leave them alone and let them just do their own thing, like Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, foolishness is in the heart of a child. You just leave them to their foolishness, they're going to act foolish. So you don't do that. You train them in the way they should go. It's like leaving dirt alone. If you leave dirt alone, what happens? I don't know how. It grows weeds. It just does. And you leave a child alone, it's going to grow weeds. It's going to go according to the foolishness of its heart. It amazes me, the number of people in this room even, the number of people in every church, uh, I'll ask people, you know, uh, well, why'd you come to this church? Um, besides adult friends, you know, the number one answer is, well, this is where my kids want to go. Number one answer. It's where my kids want to go. Now, now, break that down with me a minute. I, I don't usually call you out. I don't think, of, well, I've called a couple out, but not many. Okay, so you're going to make a decision. I want to train I can still remember, I'll, I'll call myself out, how about this? I can still remember sitting in the back seat of that Buick Electra 225. No seat belts, because they didn't have them in that day. And my dad asking over the front seat, kids, where do you want to go to church? I was in the fourth grade and still dead in my sins. And I told my dad exactly where I wanted to go to church. Where they had the best basketball gym and the best games and the best youth groups and the prettiest girls. You know, that's where you want to go. So my dad has a choice. I have a choice. You have a choice. I can make my decision. What is the best church for my family based on the Word of God? What is a good church based on the Word of God? Or I can make my decision based on the desires of a depraved heart of a child that we would choose the depraved heart of a child over the inerrant infallible word of God that's not training instead of saying kids where do you want to go you begin to say kids this is what God's word says this is the way to go and you begin to do that with everything children should not be raised to say what school do you want to go to? What education would you like? What kind of training do you think is appropriate? What kind of church do you think is appropriate? What kind of whatever? There, we, God's given us as parents authority to know his words and begin teach his words. And kids, this is the way of God. This is the will of God. I am, my responsibility as a parent is to train you up in it. There is a way for you to walk. And God's expressly given it to us in the Ten Commandments. So they begin to see you make decision after decision based on the Word of God. I used to tell my kids, uh, my kids, well, I don't want to do it that way. And I would say, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? You don't want to do it that way. I said, you know you were baptized, right? Yeah. The reason you were baptized... Just like in the Old Testament, and same in the New Testament, you were marked out to be the Lord's. You now must 
follow the Lord. We are not raising you to follow your own way. We are raising you to follow God's way. You've been marked out as His. And you must follow Him. You must live your baptism. You don't choose to... Well, Dad, Dad, I believe, I, I, I'm a Christian, I profess faith. Wait, wait, you don't, still don't understand. I didn't raise you to make a profession of faith. I didn't raise you to make a decision for Christ. We are raising you to make every decision for Christ. There's a way you could, should go, and you must make every decision for Him based on His commands. For the rest of your life, you've been marked out for that. But it's good because it just takes you to heaven. And endless delights. Don't turn from that path. Train up a child by teaching them the will of God, talking about the will of God, expecting the will of God in every single decision. Second, never let them see hypocrisy without humble confession and correction. You're going to mess up. I mess up all the time. So they're going to call you out. Kids are good at saying, oh, so it's don't do as I do. It's just do as I say. No, if that's what you're seeing, I need to confess. I've messed up. It needs to be do as I say and do as I do. So if they're catching you not living consistent, you're asking them to make every decision based on the Word of God, but you're not making every decision based on the Word of God, and a hypocrisy is in it, confess it. James chapter 3, verse 17, James is good about getting us to be consistent with our words, that our work should be there as well. Here's just one on hypocrisy. James 3, 17, it, Peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. Our kids are getting smart if they begin to see, hey, you're saying one thing and doing another. That's not wisdom. Exactly. If you're seeing that, we confess we have messed up. So when you mess up, let your kids know. The, the issue here is not that you're pleasing mom and dad. We should all as a family be pleasing God. So if we've messed up, we need to repent of sin. We need to turn from sin and say, Lord, we didn't just break rules down here on earth. We've offended you. And so forgive us and then redirect us so that our actions are consistent with our words. Kids will see your actions a whole lot quicker sometimes than they will hear your words. Our training must be a submission to uh the word of God ourselves. So go back through the Ten Commandments with me. If you tell your kids, first commandment, have no other gods before you. If they see you worshiping whatever, sports, work, somebody more than God, confess that. Well, well, you're right. Christ should be first. God should be first. You need to see it in my life, not just hear it out of my mouth. If they see that you say, the image of God is so big... The, he's invisible. We're going to see it in our Revelation class this morning. 
that he, he's, he's on the throne in heaven. And when you begin to see this picture of God on his throne and this fiery diamond and sardis and rainbow and these, these holy angels circling this throne and you, you, you see angels and creatures and all of this and you begin to see, oh, let me read you this book, son. Here's a picture of Jesus. And they start seeing pictures of Jesus. That's not the picture. See, second commandment, why are you giving me all these pictures of Jesus when the Bible's got this view of Jesus that's huge? You know, it's just unbelievable. And there's commands that says nobody's seen God at any time. We need to get all of this consistent. Or the third commandment, so much about the third commandment's going on in our culture right now. Third commandment, don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. It's explained in Exodus 22, do not curse God or a ruler of my people. So they say, well, you said don't curse God, but I see you cursing all sorts of rulers over us, politicians that are leading us. And they don't see us demonstrate a life of respect for authority. That we need to confess that. Say, you're right, son, daughter, that's hypocrisy. I have to live the will and the way of God. Fourth commandment, to remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. If they say, well, yeah, you know, but doctor told me not to go to church for six months. Well, who's the authority, doctor or God? A lot of us struggle with that. Well, what do I do in that situation? Well, I just don't feel like it this morning. How do we teach our children through the pain and agonies and other authorities that say don't remember the Sabbath day and don't set it apart as holy? We've got to deal with that so that our kids see we're not being hypocrites, that we've got a consistent loyalty to Christ. Fifth commandment, again, a command of honor for authority. Sixth commandment, oh, do they see our respect of life? whether it's with creatures, whether it's with people. Do we see how we vote on pro-life abortion issues? There's a way that is right to man. There's a way that's right to God, and they need to see that. Seventh commandment, no adultery. They see faithfulness in marriage. Do they see date nights? Do they see you love your spouse? Do they see you want to protect your marriage? Uh, eighth commandment, do they see your respect to private property, not stealing the things that others have, like, happen to the cannies we don't just take from somebody because they have more than us god has given them private property it's theirs and they must steward that it's not ours to take ninth commandment they they see that we don't we protect our neighbor we don't deceive them we don't lie we're committed to the truth tenth commandment do they see that we we're very content we don't covet we we're content to stay within our own gifts and abilities and callings that God's given us in life. So if they're not seeing that consistently, repent. They're going to catch your example. Your example is crucial. When they catch you in hypocrisy, don't just respond, well, don't do as I do, do as I say. No, throw that out. Don't ever say that. No, I need to follow Christ just as you. Follow me as I follow Christ. Number three, consistently discipline your child with the rod. Now, boy, this is controversial. Consistently discipline your child 
with the rod. Let me just give you the scripture. I won't spend a lot of time on it. Proverbs 13, verse 24 says, He who withholds his rod hates his son. Well, that's pretty strong language. If you don't use the rod, you hate your child. He who loves him disciplines him diligently. Of course, that's picked up in Hebrews chapter uh, 10 where God says, I discipline you. And I discipline you because I love you. You need to discipline your children as well. Proverbs 22, verse 5. Uh, no, that's not right. 22, 15. I've already read. Foolishness is bound up in a heart of a child. The rod of discipline uh, will remove it far from him. Proverbs 23, 13 through 16. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Uh, pretty significant verses. Um, many believe corporal punishment is what it's called, is barbaic and outdated. Just shouldn't do it. A lot of people believe that. God's word never changed. Uh, well, God doesn't know how to train a child. Is that what we're saying? I'm going to ignore God's word because God really doesn't know how to do this thing right. So I'm not going to discipline. I'm not going to use the rod. Just, I'm just not going that way. Well, so what you're saying is, I want to get my kid to heaven, but I'm going to ignore the God of heaven. Good luck with that. That, again, doesn't make sense to ignore the God of heaven, but you want to get to the God of heaven. You just don't understand. I was, they beat me as a child, so I promised I would never, oh, so you're the standard. Or, you know, it's like if you were fat as a child, does that mean you're not going to feed your kid? You know, we've got to think, we're not the standard. Our ways are not the standard. God's way is the standard. Well, you, have, you just don't understand. My mother-in-law don't like it. These are the answers I hear. Well, what does God's word say? say? We've got to get back to God's way uh, and do things according to God's way. Using the rod of discipline, it's consistent. It's loving. It's attention-getting. Kids understand it. It's life-changing. It's God's Word. Start thinking about what we're saying when we begin to disagree with God's way and then saying we want to walk in His way. So number four, answer every religious question with truth and not tradition. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 God speaks about his truth and its conclusion in our lives. 2 Timothy uh, 3. Excuse me, it's 1 Timothy 3. Uh, 16 and 17. There it is. I was looking at verse chapter 4. It's chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3. 
All Scripture, verse 16, is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Here's what I want you to see. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Some translations, thoroughly furnished. Some translations, mature. The Word of God is going to correct. It's going to train. It's going to rebuke. It's going to um, direct us so that we get to the place that we're mature, perfect, adequate. Thoroughly furnished for every good work. What's God's tool to make us who we need to be for what we need to do? It's the Word of God. You don't want your kids saying, well, that's the way Daddy did it. That's the way Mommy did it. My kids were good about saying, well, who said? Did Mommy say or did Daddy say? And the answer to that is what? God said. It's not mommy said or daddy said. We don't have to argue that. We, we don't want to talk about the traditions of mom and dad. We want to talk about the truth of God. To answer every question, if you don't know the answer from the truth of God, it should send you back to the scriptures. You study and you learn what the truth of God is on the matter because you want to raise kids Ultimately, till they get to the place of 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that they are able to cast down everything that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. Casting down speculations, myths, and theories because they have learned the truth of God and been trained and taught in it. So answer their questions with truth, and that's going to mature them um, and make them furnished for everything. Number five, last, pray with. Sing to and love on them every day. Pray. Why? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Pray about everything. If you pray about everything with thanksgiving, what will happen? The peace of God will rule your hearts and minds. You can't teach and instruct without peace. You can't teach and instruct if you've got constant chaos. You must have peace. So pray about everything. God will give you peace, and they will begin soaking up truth. So you need peace first. You need to pray about everything, that they get that. Sing. Kids love singing. And the Scripture tells us, both in Ephesians and Colossians, that we need to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts, having the Word of God thoroughly enriched in our hearts and then brought out through songs. So be singing to your kids. And then fourth, you know, 1 Corinthians 13. It doesn't matter how good you are at speaking, how good you are at training, how good you are at being a parent. If you do it without love, you're nothing. So we need the prayers every day. We need the singing every day. We need the hugs and the tickles and the love every day or we will not succeed. Parenting matters. I want to help your kids to heaven you want to help your kids to heaven train them up as God has said and watch them walk in God's way while there's time while there's hope let's pray together Father then to become indifferent and complacent After all, we turned out okay. 
and yet our kids suffer. Father, help us towards a consistent training of our children in the instruction and admonition you have given us in your word. We ask, O Lord, that we would not lose one of these precious children. They are the fruit of the womb. They are your reward. They have been entrusted to us. We are stewards. They've been marked out for you. Lord, we want everyone to live for you and to see you face to face one day as the children of God. Father, may we be diligent. Forgive us of our sins. May they see us run to you for mercy. And may they begin to see how sweet that is and desire it themselves. We thank you, Lord, for the numerous child salvations we see week after, uh, year after year here. Several more already this year and others are coming. Lord, let us be parents who encourage one another, pray for one another, and let us continue to see whole households walking for Christ. We ask, Lord, that you would use us to reach others that are so far astray from your word. Lord, use us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.